Objection handling. That's what we're going to do some of the day. Welcome to episode 127 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. A few weeks ago, um, I did an episode on Andrew Yang and on automation. And got a lot of, it did very well on YouTube. And I've got a lot of feedback on it from people, including tons from my brother who decided to go through the video and send me some devil's advocate questions. I think these are important, partly for me, because obviously I'm preparing to debate Andrew Yang on the 9th of September in New York. And, but I think that this will be informative for you as well. And of course you can come on YouTube and leave comments if I missed anything out, if there's any arguments I should be aware of. So let's look at, I got a ton of comments, critical comments, and I'm gonna look at those too. So one of the claims that we hear again and again, and it's nicely put forth by my brother here, the threat being faced from automation in the present day is nothing like the threats we've faced in the past. This is because technology is on the brink of being able to replace almost every job that exists. AI is writing letters for lawyers, might be soon able to be teaching educational classes. By the way, AI writing letters for lawyers, great. Fantastic. I've heard of lawyers getting paid 100, 200, 300, 400, $500 for a letter. How is that going to lower people's standards of living? Apart from maybe some of the lawyers, you know, you can only see that actually making access to justice, if we can call it that, cheaper. Okay. Uh, medical operations are being performed by robots. Okay. Like, again, this goes on. It's like, okay, great, because as I've just shown in my last three podcasts, the price of healthcare in the USA is through the roof. Wouldn't it be great if you could get access to cheaper healthcare because robots were performing those things? Practically everything is being automated and in the near future, automation will replace jobs on an exponential scale and speed never seen before. The brakes must be put on because it will be literally impossible for the human job marketplace to keep up. Very nicely put. So let's have a dig in. I also want to bring your attention to that turn of phrase. The brakes have to be put on. So, well, you know, you can't prove a negative. You can't prove that God doesn't exist. And you can't prove that the speed of automation isn't going to be unprecedented. So there's two elements to this, right? One is let's have a little bit of a look at that claim and see whether there's any reason to believe it. And then secondly, what if it is true? Let's just, we're going to bite the bullet and assume that it is true, that automation is going to happen at an unprecedented rate, okay? But let's look at history, right? The Cotton Gin was a machine. Thank you, Gene Epstein, for giving me these examples that quickly and easily separates cotton fibers from their seeds. People needed to do this by hand. It took ages, right? The steam shovel, shovel, all ATM machines. There used to be people, rows and rows of people in banks. Their name, their job was titled calculator. They were calculators. All of these went out, vending machines. You used to have someone in an elevator. Um, there actually isn't any evidence that ro robotics is replacing human labor any faster than before, so far. But the past, of course, doesn't equal the future. If you think this is gonna happen, you probably always thought, they obviously thought it was gonna happen 
during the Industrial Revolution. When the synthesizer was invented, musicians unionized and tried to get the government to ban them because they were afraid that orchestras would be replaced by synths. Okay. Um, in the 1950s, the influential mathematician Norbert Wiener saw even worse unemployment, but for different reasons, because the MIT professor had achieved the status, sorry, cybernetics, the concept of cybernetics, the, the science of control and communication in the animal machine and machine, okay? She thought it was perfectly clear that in the 50s, 60s, 70s, the labor would be completely replaced. So these claims have been made before, again and again and again. Now AI is the new one, okay? Well, so far, AI machines the bit um, work say with chess masters to beat chess. You can you can the AI might be able to beat a chess master sometimes, but actually having a human working with an AI um, surpasses that. So I think this combination of human and AI is something that is going to be obviously happening more and more and more. We can debate whether the human is just a biological machine or if there's something that animates matter which allows a human being to think out the box in a way that an AI never will. I am personally of that opinion. That doesn't mean I necessarily um, believe uh, or I'm sure that humans have souls or anything like that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm agnostic on the issue, but yeah, I don't actually believe that AI will ever be conscious. I don't believe that artificial intelligence has, has the power to be conscious. So that's my prejudice, unless they mix the AI with biological parts and then maybe, then maybe. But that's just my bias. No one has to believe that because I think it. The, the, the point is, there's no compelling evidence yet. It's just people tend to believe that. And they have tended to believe that for 200, 250 years. But let's assume that it is true. Let's assume that the new wave of automation is the final wave of automation. Well, I mean, that's just like moving towards Rothbard's fully automated society, when as soon as you think of a cola, it appears in front of you. So in a system where everything's fully automated, there's no need for jobs. I mean, probably more cafes will have bands in them just because everything's so cheap so they can afford to hire a band to put live music on. They might as well because everything's so hyper abundant. So I, I really not getting how, even if it is the final wave of automation, how this is bad for normal people, as Andrew Yang puts it. Basically, putting the, there's a, there, right, so just imagine you had a genie uh, and you had an unlimited number of wishes. So there's no scarcity for wishes, right? If you have three wishes, you need to really think hard about what you're going to wish for. But if there's an infinite number of wishes, there's no scarcity. So the machines are just churning out this stuff. There's so much of it, the people who own the machines don't know what to do with it. So what are they going to do with it? They're going to give it away and they're going to give away the machines. Jonathan, my brother, had an objection to that as well. But we're going to have to handle it, that objection. Well, why would they give it away? Right. When you say you want to put the brakes on this, 
that means putting a brake on the plummeting costs of living. A uh, flat screen TV might have set you back $1,000. Now you can get it for $87. That means you have to work less. If you think about your the hours you have to work to buy goods, less and less and less. So we might be headed to a four-day week and then a three-day week, but see until we get these classroom sizes down. See until all the kids in school are getting one-to-one -one attention <laughs> when, when, when necessary. I'm really skeptical about this running out of jobs thing until we don't have hospital waiting lists. Until there's no old people alone in their houses, I'm really, really skeptical. But now, if that starts happening, I okay, we're going to get an Android carer in to take care of Granny. Well, good because you know then Granny's going to take be taken care of. Personally, I don't think that's going to do the job. I think the Androids are going to be making all the goods and services. I think they're going to be doing the factory work. I think it's the services with a human touch that people will need to do. Right. One of the things I said in the last video on Andrew Yang, it was an aside. It was a very long aside, but it was an aside, which is I don't like when people say things like the market. We should put people before the market or the market should be used to serve people, because I said that people and the market are one and the same. OK, and he uh, because you can't differentiate the market from individuals and the great thing about the market is it reveals people's desires so what I said is if you could have anything if I said have us what do you want and you can have anything you'd say everything probably everything you wanted but it's when you've got limited resources you have to choose between your preferences and that reveals people's preferences because they have to prioritize what they buy and that that stops wastefulness okay I said it shorter this time, thank God. So he wants to say, big in big corporations, they commission bioscientific tests to get preferable conclusions and spend millions on advertising to hypnotize people into buying things they don't want, making people addicts in many cases. So it's not only governments who can make people do things they don't want to do, the people running these big corporations are not like normal people. They don't care about normal people. Corporations and the marketplace can therefore be separated from individuals. Right. When I say it's only the government that who can make things, people do things, I mean at gunpoint. Of course, a robber can make you do something at gunpoint as well. A gangster can come around and force you to pay them for protection. And as far as I'm concerned, the government is just the most successful mafia. Half of it is threat of force. Half of it is bribing people to um, support government by giving them cushy public sector jobs or keeping them on benefits so that they're fearful of starvation without the government's help. That's all it is. They've managed to trick people into thinking that they're there for their benefits. Right. Okay. Yeah. The corporations can spend millions on advertising and lots of corporations spend millions of advertising and they go completely bankrupt. What they spend more money on than advertising is market research. If they could just hypnotize people to buy stuff, then why would they spend so much money doing taste tests, trying to find out what words to use that to appeal, you know, what, um, trying to split test their products to find out what people are actually willing to buy? 
to find out what the right price point for a product would be. Now, I'm not saying that advertising doesn't make a difference. I'm just saying you have to put these things in context. It's not exactly, I mean, what is the alternative? That's the thing. The alternative is you have the government say, they're not really your preferences. You know, um, feminists like to say this about um, women's choices. They say, oh, they don't really want to do that. They're just conditioned from society to do that. So what do you want? Do you want to ban them? from making their own decisions? Do you want to ban people from buying the products you want? Like, what is the alternative? What, what One thing I would say is on a free market in media, if people were worried about the pernicious influence of advertising on them, then they can have that kind of control over um, channels and things like that and say, well, we don't watch these adverts. You know, we, we avoid these channels with these adverts uh, unless uh, they've been certified to not include any subliminal content or manipulative language. Another thing, like where does this, let's compare. The government has people in schools for 11 to 13 years to indoctrinate them, to hate the free market, to hate capitalism. They indoctrinate them in a version of history where everything was horrible until the benign government came along and gave us these ridiculous schools where you don't learn anything that will help you get ahead of life in life except for maybe reading, writing and arithmetic. And you actually waste 13 years in which you could be becoming skilled and productive, right? How about let's start with that in terms of mind programming. Now, advertising has a valid function, which is to let people know that products exist. I think they did do an experiment uh, where they where McDonald's stopped advertising in France or Paris or something like that for a while, and yeah, sales of Big Macs went down. But we have no evidence that those people didn't just go to Burger King or KFC and eat something else and healthy, which is what I think they did. So people, yeah, I mean, the only solution to this is technology. People are going to start bringing out more and more. the The success of the meditation apps is the first wave. People are going to come because we know, right, okay, you buy some food, you feel bad about it afterwards. We've got this short-term, long-term reward system. Of course, we've got a medical service. Here we've got a nationalized one in America, Medicare, Medicaid. So in a more, and the insurance programs are so tied together with your employer. I've just done three videos on healthcare, as you probably know, if you're if you're a regular listener, the point is there's no incentive for people to, there's less incentive for people to take care of their health when the government's going to pay the bill for your bad health. So in a sane society, you'd have some kind of insurance system that would reward you in the short term, not the long term, for making good choices. And all these apps and technologies, people want help with this. They want help with things like and increasingly with that's the gamification, apps like Habitica, which help you track your habits and reward you for doing it. People are looking for solutions to these problems, but they're not gonna come out of the government, they're gonna come out of the market. So yeah, marketing and advertising can influence people, but to what degree and what is the, where's that in the hierarchy? Like if you've got problems with mind controlling people, let's start with what's obvious, like mainstream media, the schools, all of this stuff. The, I mean, the government, every fucking museum in Glasgow, 
every fucking one has some sort of feminist or social justice warrior exhibit in it. All of the public space, so many public spaces have bookshops in them filled with radical left-wing literature, right? That is paid for with public funds. They're pushing the they're pushing the social Marxist doctrine with public funds. What about university? You can't get this job, that job without university. They pay money. The government pays money to indoctrinate people into Marxism. The, the corporations have to spend their own money to advertise to you. So, okay, I'm willing to accept that some people are naive and will be sucked in by advertising, but what preconditioned them to be so naive was that they are 11 to 13 years of mandatory education. Let's kind of please start with the most flagrant abuses. It's just simply an anti-corporate bias. And we all know that if any corporation did the kinds of abuses that the government would get in wars, whatever it is, caused as much harm as governments do, They'd be out of business, but the government's allowed to do it because they're the most successful mafia and they bribe people, in other words, program them like the advertisers are meant to do, to support the state. Okay, I hope this is interesting to you. Um, so yeah, as I just said, entrepreneurs can come in to try and mitigate these problems and I think we're going to see more and more of that. I'm already seeing more inventions to help people with their posture. People are conscious of these incentives and they're trying there's billions maybe trillions to be made in helping people with their impulse control because it's something we would all like more of we'd all like to make decisions that were in our long-term interest we'd all like to feel like making decisions that are in our long-term interest so i'm just seeing if i've got any notes uh, because I, i'm improvising so the corporations can't put you in jail for not buying their products, which is what I mean. And I, I don't mean to de deny, like, corporations like Microsoft and Apple wouldn't be so big with the government contracts. Google got 650 million, 600, or maybe billion, you'll have to look it up, uh, of government handouts. So that's why these companies have a monopoly. It would be nice to have a higher, a bigger choice um, of operating systems on your computer, but they've got patents, they've got intellectual property, and that's why. So I don't really believe that the government can engineer a new man, the Marxist new man. Um, I think, well, they kind of have engineered a uh, slavish, uh, I feel like the main sociological impact of education is most people become scared to try things and to, because we're always getting red marks and everything, uh, and subservient to authority uh, and a small percentage of people it preconditions them to want to act out and become the authority so why again just again why are they spending so much money on market research if they can just hypnotize you to buy it why do so many top companies um, start in the fortune 500 and fall down a few years later if they could just hypnotize people to buy their stuff um, so here's the thing. Businesses won't give away their stuff so freely. This is about my thing that if people become so, if 
goods and services become so abundant, they will be given away. And I gave the example of like, if you want VHS tapes, you'll get them. And people will say, oh, those are like 20, 30 year old handouts you want. But what if this laptop was a handout? You know, it gets to the point, uh, he says, well, why would they give them away? But it's, it's not up to you whether you give it away. You don't choose the market value of your goods. If the mark, if you if you make all this stuff and no one's buying it, yeah, I guess you could burn it in a big fire. But the reason why people are ba not buying it is because they don't they, they, there's no demand for it. Is that because they're poor? Well, why are they poor? like? How can they be poor? if there's so much stuff. When I say buying a Garmin used to be a once in a lifetime event, and now the charity shops can't even sell garments, they've got too many clothes. What I'm saying is a hyper-mechanized society means all goods and services will be comparable to clothes that charity shops can't give away. That's why I don't understand why I've failed to address some of these objections in the video I've already made. I thought I'd already addressed this point, but I maybe wasn't clear enough. Now, here's another one. I mentioned the minimum wage as an impediment to people getting jobs. So is payroll taxes, so are labor laws, so are mandatory, mandatory Medicare, uh, sorry, mandatory employer health insurance costs because that means that charging that employing someone for twenty thousand dollars might actually cost their employer twenty four twenty eight thirty thousand dollars what if their labor is only worth twenty thousand dollars then if, if it costs more than that to hire them they're not going to get hired so he says a minimum, a minimum wage must be required because the vast majority of people are already limit, living to the limit of their means. If thousands lose their job and have to go retrain or go on benefits, a huge percentage of them and their families will lose the home they are mortgaging or renting. Well, look, if, if everyone's losing their home, then the bank has to auction off those homes and the homes are sold at a knockdown rate for nothing because the bank can't sell them for what they were worth before, right? So they're gonna to come to you and say, actually, we need to reduce your, we need to reduce the amount of money you owe us on your mortgage, because we don't want like everyone defaulting and then we'll get nothing. We'd rather get what you can afford than get nothing, okay? So that's just, that's just, mark. you know, people start moving in for an apartment when they had, to an apartment, they change their living room into a spare room, and the demand for housing would go through the floor, and therefore the price of accommodation would go through the floor as well. Yeah, it might be an, it might be a unpleasant transition, but in the long term, it'll be in everyone's benefit because people are paying far too much for accommodation now, given that the price of everything else has come down so low. Here, um, I, I believe since about 1981, 
according to the Halifax Index, the houses have gone up by seven to eight times. We're paying seven to eight times. Why is it the technology comes down in price, but we're paying seven to eight times as much for housing? Hmm, I wonder. I wonder if the government can be involved. I wonder if the banks are printing too much money. So I don't think that, as he says, many thousands of people will go homeless if they have to really, um, receive less than the minimum wage as they retrain. It's not going to be people paying to retrain themselves on a free market. If you remove the cost, the minimum wage, companies will give you on-the-job training, which is largely what you need. Usually when people go to a college or even a building school, etc., to train, they're usually inferior training. The best training is always received on the job. Now, I'm not going to pay you $15 an hour while you, I'm training you for six weeks and you're making me nothing because you're training. But I might be able to pay you the minimum because you'll make me back the money in the long term. So there's a greater demand for jobs than there is a, there is a supply of them. Okay, this is the more... But the more the the same argument so it's also important to notice that there's an assumption in here that the minimum wage is going to make it easier for people to live because they've got more money but that's not necessarily the case the dollar amount might be higher but the cost of living might go up because there's an accumulative effect on the minimum of the minimum wage so supposing you increase the minimum wage by 30 percent there's a warehouse attendant that gets the rise. There's um, someone who loads the van that gets the rise. There's the store clerks that get the rise. There's maybe four or five people uh, along the line that get the, the pay rise. And those good, those companies need to account for the rise in pay. So they all put the price of services up. Now, you're, you might have be earning 30% more but actually, the price of a lot of the goods you buy has gone up 45% if the, if the primary costs or the labor costs are 50%. So even, the dollar even though the dollar value of your wage is higher, your wage is worth less. You can get the guy, the trucker down the road who's been unemployed. You can invite him over to mow your lawn for $12.00 because you have to pay him $15. And he's going to do that for two hours. So even though you got a 15, you know, you got a $3 raise to your minimum wage, you have to pay more for services. So your wage is worth less. I, and the people bake that assumption that it's going to increase, it's going to make it easier for people to live well, rather than harder. Well, that's what you want. That's not what we want is a solid gold toilet, a solid gold everything, Lord. But, you know, I want to be able to fly, but the law of gravity says I can. So just because you want the minimum wage, I'm not talking to my brother who sent me the question because he's playing devil's advocate. He's saying what other people might say. But just because you want it to increase people's standards of living doesn't mean that it will increase standards of living. He says, when you talk about how people would have loved to have butlers or chefs, um, apart from the fact that soon butlers will also be automated. Well, I'm not sure about that. The whole point uh, of having a butler is having some a person 
to wait on you. So it's not about the service. It's not necessarily about services rendered, but it, it might be partly about that. How many people would actually find this job fulfilling? How would you like to lose your job and have to be someone else's butler? Is your personality conducive to this line of work? And actually, who exactly can realistically even afford to pay a butler anyway? Yeah, well, the point of that is because the, the who can afford to pay it? The point is that all the goods and services are so much cheaper due to automation that when you buy those things, just like you've got $900 left when you buy a flat screen TV as opposed to 20 years ago, you've got that extra $900 and that's what makes you rich enough to pay the butler, especially since the dollar cost of buying a butler is going down because there's because his cost of living is down. So what you needed, you used to have to pay him $30 an hour. Now you only have to pay him $5 an hour because $5 an hour buys what $30 an hour used to because of the onset of automation and how all of this stuff is being produced so cheaply. This is over the long, this this doesn't happen overnight. This happens in a graduated, graduated way. Well, as for the point about who's going to find that, you know, is the trucker going to want to be someone's butler? That's not really the point that he says, would you find that fulfilling? Does it suit your temperament? The point is there's someone who, whose temperament that suits. And now because the price of vanning goods here, there, trucking goods here, there and everywhere has gone down significantly, people have to pay less in the shops for everything. So they've got more money left over to hire a butler as opposed to, um, you know, employing Jack the trucker to be your babysitter. You probably, you might not want him to be your babysitter. You might want him to cut your grass or he might be needed to um, monitor the data that's gathered by all these drones that are gonna be coming out. And it, it takes so much, so many people to monitor the data and uh, monitor the video from drones. So yeah, okay, maybe finally an AI will do it. But I'm not sure because you need, because the I don't know, like we'll see, <laughs> we'll see when it comes to that. Even if it does, I don't really see, I don't see, I think it's a lack of economic understanding to say that that's going to be a problem. If, it just means that a whole bunch of stuff is being done for free. So it's like, if someone comes and drops a lawnmower in your garden and says, here, I don't need that, you have it. It's like, People would say, people saying, oh, but that's going to put the land, the lawnmower manufacturers out of a job. Well, tough titties, you know, the lawnmower manufacturer, there's plenty of other stuff that needs made. So, okay, so the money that you save on buying goods and services because Jack the Trucker has been made redundant because Percy, the self-driving truck, is delivering them all the goods and services allows you the extra money to pay a butler or pay someone to look after your kids so that they don't have to sit in front of the TV um, in the two hours after um, you, in between you coming home from work and then coming home from school. Okay, good, the kids get more contact time. This idea is the UBI will support people while we adopt, adapt to having automated marketplace. Don't you agree that it could be an effective short-term solution? Well, I can't go through all of the arguments because I've already done them in my book, Universal Basic Income For and Against. Go buy it from Amazon. It's now available in paperback. I would really, really appreciate it. 
if you if you bought a paperback copy. But it's not an effective short-term solution because it's going to cause hyperinflation and it's going to um it's going to deter the creation of wealth because people will be paid for anything rather than creating wealth. And the more you deter the creation of wealth, the less wealth there is to go around. So I, I no, I don't think it, it you could implement a UBI for truckers that are made redundant and they can get it for one year. Okay, so a significant percentage of the population has an IQ so low that retraining for completely new and unfamiliar skill sets will not be possible. Jack the trucker has a free spirit in spite of his very low intelligence and limited skill set. He only knows this lifestyle and none other. He, would be, he wouldn't be able to work as a mechanic for those reasons. He can't get a job in Walmart because all the checkouts have been automated anyway. What other job could he get that wouldn't make him feel depressed or useless? Well, there's two questions there. We, we don't necessarily know because the market has to, what job he'd get, because the market has to make it apparent what people's needs are. But in the absence of barriers to entry, some people will pay to train him in whatever is suitable to him. And hopefully there will be something suitable to him. As for the psychological aspect, that's really the job of society at large. It's not really the job of, like the economy, the, the purpose of the economy is to meet people's needs. Now, Jack's mental health needs well, there's a market for that as well. Like the institutions of society, people need to create institutions to, to meet these needs. But the government doesn't know how to treat people with, for, their, for depression. If they did, they, would, they might have done it already. But no one does. The, the field of psychology is being put back by seven decades by the welfare state because in a society where the need for people to be able to overcome their hang-ups uh, and gain the ability to, instead of, and it would become apparent without the welfare state, but it's not apparent because what we do just do is we pay people to stay poor and they don't have to confront their procrastination or whatever it is or their um, fear of new things or their whatever, whatever. So what we really need is institutions that are absolutely expert at helping people with those things, but we've removed the demand for them by placating people, by paying them to be poor. Um, and it's a tragedy because who knows uh, what we would have achieved because I don't, I'm sort of a liberal, a classic liberal in that um, sense rather than a conservative um, in that I do not believe that we've seen humanity at its potential. And the kind of conservative view is this is about humans are just about like this. But, you know, I know from my own job and um, the effects of our upbringing on people's psyche and how, how wounded people are. And I see woundedness everywhere. Like, so I know that we could go so, so much further and um, see when we get to that point where people are. Uh, every, everyone's parented really well and things like that and if the world's still fucked up mess then you can come and tell me about how nature is just human nature and um, I don't think humans are infinitely malleable, malleable but I don't think we've seen we ain't seen nothing yet baby as the song goes so I'm not sure that it would even be good 
to give a UBI to the people who are changing jobs because so they adapt to new skills because all that will happen is these weird um, colleges will um, turn up promising them the world and um, take their money while they try and retrain and they won't be able to get a job uh, necessarily. The government's tried make work programs before. I can't remember what the the figure was, but the Obama administration tried this, and I think they they spent either a hundred thousand dollars per cat per person or per for um, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It was a ridiculous sum, and <laughs> a ton of them didn't even get jobs afterwards. So it's the market needs its employers know what they need their staff to do to make money. So that's why the government needs to get out of the way in terms of allowing people to be employed and get training on the job because you can't centrally plan it. So I said, he says, you talk about millions of potential jobs needing for cleaning up the environment, for example. Who's going to pay for these jobs? Who's going to pay for the carers for all the old people languishing with nothing to do and cannot afford it themselves? The government? What percentage of the future unemployed population would even have the right kind of personality traits to work in the care sector? Well, I don't know if everyone does, you know. They, they don't need to, but at the end of the day, what work is... Art is what you do for yourself. Work is what you do for others. So is it a worse job going to be a carer for an old person, even though it's not your nature, than it is going down a coal mine 200 years ago and uh, having your life significantly shortened by your job? You know, you just might need to do something that you don't love for a few hours a day in order to get what little money you need to pay for goods and services, which will be extraordinarily cheap due to automation and AI, because the, the companies are going to be competing for what little dollars you have. So the, the price is gonna go through the floor. The real fortunes are made by selling things to the masses, not to a few people. That's usually how people become billionaires. So how are the elderly going to pay for their carers? Now, well, Again, we come back to the thing where the goods and services are so cheap, so they have extra money left over. And because of the cost of living being so low, the price of the carers don't need a high wage because they can live on very little because everything's so cheap. So what money they were previously spending, um, they can they can spend for carers. And, you know, in this world where you free up the resources of the people who are still very wealthy. Uh, I don't mean very wealthy as in super rich. I mean, say, you know, the equivalent of today earning $250,000 or up um, to not, not multi-multi-millionaire. Those people also have to spend a fraction of what they spend now. So um, there'll be a lot of resources kicking around that people want to do good with. It's just the freeing up of the resources that are already being spent on getting by day to day. Automation could lead to a catastrophic collapse of the marketplace, which cannot adjust quickly enough. Right. I just don't like the speed of implementing technology is really slow. It takes like 10, 20 years. I mean, just look at something like TripAdvisor. They could have done it 
10 years earlier. All the technology was there, but it took that long for someone to think of it. Even if we could never invent, if, if, we, were, if we were banned from inventing something new, we weren't allowed to invent anything new, even with the existing technologies we have now, we would still be finding new uses for them in 100 years. Technology needs to be implemented and needs to be rolled out. I just don't get this. Every, everything is going to be somewhat gradual. These are just assumptions. So let's look at some of the comments, I, the critical comments I got. Someone said, how exactly are redundant, it's kind of the same point as my brother made, X Kenny 77 how exactly are redundant truckers with no more than a high school education going to help reduce class sizes <coughs> or shorten waiting lists for surgeries? I said that, and someone else said that, like, I don't want Jack the Trucker babysitting my kids, let's face it. And I said, look, if that's what you got from this presentation, I wasn't making my point clear. The point is not that Jack the Trucker will necessarily get um, appointed to babysit your kids or um, the classroom sizes, but because parents have money more, more money, they can pay for a school that's got more teachers than they could before because they have to pay less for the stuff. He says, it's also flat out false to claim that a UBI can't create jobs and that it doesn't aid capital formation. Data from UBI trials shows significant increases in new business startups. And quite obviously that's in part due to, to it gives low, um, people on low incomes a bit of cash to save, pull and borrow against the, the capital necessary to form those businesses. Um, no, you don't want, like, you assume that because people try and create new businesses that that's necessarily a good thing. The whole point of going to an investor is that you, um, they're, they're um, discriminatory and they say, is this business actually going to work or not? So just because people are starting new businesses doesn't mean they're actually going to create anything that's useful. The whole point is that the pool of available capital in the stock market is vetted through investors who have skin in the game. The government, when they gave out this UBI, don't have skin in the game. Plus the, skin in the, the UBI money is coming from outside the community that's being taxed. So if I take an item from each of your neighbor's house and put it in your house, we go, look, look at our UBI experiment. This guy's doing really, really well. Well, yeah, of course you are, because you've got a bunch of stuff that belonged to other people before. But what you don't see is, what those people would be doing with their money if they didn't have to replace all that stuff, which is the capital formation is not on the spending side. When you say, when you go, I, I like when you go out, people think, oh, you go out to buy thing. We give people a UBI, they go out to buy stuff, and that creates jobs. It's not consumption that creates wealth. Uh, otherwise, you know, we can just. Uh, use everything we've got up and we should be more wealthy. It's the production that creates wealth. So by taxing the rich people, they don't have the capital to invest in machines and factories abroad and things like that to put people there and work, but more importantly, to create the cheap stuff that is gonna make everyone here rich, right? Taking that and giving it to inexperienced people um, who can try their pet projects, some of them will be successful. 
but most of them probably won't be because it's a lot harder to most people who become millionaires do it in their 40s because it takes 20 years between 20 and 40 to learn all the different skills you have to be you have to know to be a successful entrepreneur so the roots are going beneath the ground for 20 years grinding away grinding away grinding away and then you're an overnight success so it's the same you you plant that apple tree and you water it for years and you're like no apples for years and then all of a sudden one day apples people start a bakery because People go, oh, you're so good at making cakes, you should have your own bakery. And then they find they have to spend so much time filling out forms and they have to uh, comply with labor laws and things like that. And they realize that actually what they were happy doing is making cakes, not running a business. So no, I don't actually believe that. Um, he also said a thing about a lot of the same points as my brother, how the hell are they going to afford butlers if they're unemployed due to automation well again here's the assumption that they're going to be unemployed but also because i i just don't want to say the same things over and over again He's, he also said something about the environment he said um capitalism externalities damage done by deforestation i don't want to hit the same points that i've hit but basically you can in in my presentation called only capitalism can save the environment socialism will destroy the earth i just posted him about a bunch of stats showing while national forests are being depleted through special interest subsidies trees on private property are flourishing in the united states 85 percent of new tree plantings are made on private land in western europe private plantings increased forest cover by 30 percent between 1971 and 1990 and i've got a ton of these figures you can go back to the last video and look at the comments if you want um, it's on private lands that um, things are taken care of because renters, because it's problems with the commons. People who can only borrow the land just take as much as they can from the land, whereas people own the land either want to increase the value of their land so they can resell it or farm it sustainably so they can make a profit indefinitely. Or if laws are applied judiciously, then they're going to want to... Um, avoid being sued from their use of the land um, say you own a river your use of the river your pollution of the river damaging other people and you getting taken for a class action lawsuit that will come up again and again so the truckers will find jobs depending on what people who are saving money because everything's cheaper are spending it on we're not necessarily saying that the truck is going to be babysitting grandma ex kenny told me he's not sure if he buy, buys it although it does make more sense mass automation will replace low-skilled jobs so this is the skill inflation i just think i just don't know how we get the point across that the wealth creation is done on the supply side you there's a pull there's a pull from the supply side to well, sorry, no, there's a pull from the demand side, but the, people are still stuck in the, they can't see the forest for the trees with this. I don't really know how to explain it better than I have. So you guys can come and crash and tell me your ideas on how we'll pay for these schools with the smaller class sizes and for granny to be looked after so she's not lonely in the home. 
Um, he's just saying automated dentistry is already underway. AI that can read x-rays better than humans already exists. And all I think is great, great, great. So we'll be able to get all this stuff so much cheaper than we will. Um, otherwise, I mean, he mentions that in Scotland, uh, we only have a tiny fraction of the woodlands that remained after centuries of unrestricted self-interest from inhabitants and new invaders. And he goes to the charity treesforlife.org that is replanting the Caledonian forest, which, by the way, I've volunteered with twice. Highly recommended. I learned a lot. So I guess... Um, also, we're not actually... I, I saw an article about this that we're not actually... That it's been believed that this um, forest covered 99% of Scotland or whatever it is, but actually that, that's now seen as a controversial claim. We're not actually sure if that was that was true. So um, someone says there are tons of poor people in Michigan, Detroit, there are very little jobs. So how basically is saying, how did your, how does my reasoning that if there's lots of poor people, that means there's lots of work in making those poor people rich? Well, labor laws, payroll taxes, Medicare, uh, sorry, mandatory insurance contributions, minimum wage. Yeah, I'm sure that lots of businesses would be able to swoop into Michigan, Detroit, if they could pay knockdown wages, but they're not allowed to. Um, so it's the same thing. It's the same points. Entrepreneurs stand to gain from getting cheap labor. Therefore, on a free market, they will move production to areas where they can pay people less. People in those areas start on low wages, but they can get on-the-job experience and learn skills which make them more valuable and therefore they can get better jobs than before they had the low-wage job. Um, so, and you see this everywhere, experienced staff wanted. Hmm, I wonder why. Is it because it costs the same amount to hire experienced staff as it costs to hire new staff? Probably. Yeah, Heather Chapman, just... Um, Governments are compri comprised of actual individuals. You cannot s separate the government from individuals either. Well, actually, yeah, you can because the governments are allowed to initiate the use of force, whereas private individuals are not allowed to initiate use of force. So they are a different category. Um, she agrees that they're infantilizing society. Uh, she says a simple tra cash transfer um, might be the simplest. No, because what you're doing is you're basically making people dependent on the government permanently. And if they decide that you're a political dissident, they'll remove your cash transfer. And because you're not used to having to provide for yourself, you might not be able to. So you're basically at the mercy of the government. She says there are human and societal needs that cannot be supplied by paid professionals. And, and an individual requires more from a job than just money. Well, do you know what? We may work a job because it provides meaning. This is a 20th century phenomenon, right? Through most of history, no one thought of working a job because it provided meaning. So it's just you're getting paid to do something for someone else. It's not about you. It's about doing something to serve someone else. So having a job that meets your that you find intellectually stimulating, you know, that's a privilege. It's a privilege that hardly anyone has had throughout the whole of history. So it's like, 
But the thing is, the good news is you're going to hardly ever have to work any hours at all because everything's going to be so cheap. So maybe I'd like to some, so have someone to come over, kick my wheels, wash my clothes, be my butler. But I very much, okay, we've already done that. Why it's not going to be Jack the Trucker three, four times. So I hope that I, I address that point. <laughs> what the hell are you smoking? You're talking about bartering. Poor people being exploited by the rich because they are desperate as a good thing. Where, why are they exploiting them? Okay. Factories make products, sent to store. Store can't buy it, so they send it back to the warehouse. Warehouse gives it away for free. Then talk about VHS and 20-year-old hand-me-downs. Right? <laughs> I couldn't listen anymore, but I hope you get better and clearer in your video. Okay, well, if you couldn't listen anymore, then I'm not addressing your comments. Okay. Money ain't real. It's a belief system of a promise. Um, just because you don't understand what makes money valuable doesn't mean that it isn't real. Uh, there, you know, There's reasons why money is valuable. Um, people come in with these sweeping statements thinking they're being wise or omniscient. And it's like, well, why hadn't I thought of that before? People have spent decades understanding why money has had value. There was a time where economists fairly recently couldn't understand why diamonds are more valuable than water. And they had serious long discussions about it. And then people come and go, oh, money's just in your imagination, man. Like, you know, some of the serious intellectuals have spent years studying to understand what makes something valuable why do they use gold oh well it doesn't react with oxygen you can throw it under the water it's easily divisible uh, you know um etc 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 there's lots of reasons why some forms of money are better than other and um, so coming in and saying it's all fake doesn't make you clever well, Wang, you are not making correct argument with reality. If everything is automated and customers are too poor to buy it, again, the assumption that everything being automated means that customers are too poor to buy it, that's already, um, I mean, why? You're not entitled to that assumption. There's already a wrong assumption with reality. Using Andrew arguments with 3 million truckers, 1.8 million jobs might disappear in the next five years. And in accordance with that, the price of goods and services will fall, giving people more money in their pockets to rehire those people. What is your solution when another 4 million jobs disappear and companies had to outsource automation tech jobs to Asian? There it'll be, that it'll be chaos. If not UBI, what else can the government do? You are you against UBI in theory, not country has the size of US has tried it. Yeah, thank God, because I wouldn't like 300 million people to be subjected to the experiment. Your theory is just as good as college intern writing an essay on economic theory. All right, okay, I've not studied for 10 years or anything like that. You're not taking a data-driven approach and will lose to Yang in a very short order. Well, he didn't even say lose to Yang, he just said lose Yang in a very short order. Well, I hope I find him again after I've lost him. The other I have for you is, as a citizen, are presented with very limited choice of, on president. If it comes down to Trump and Andrew Yang, who's going to force to pay you $1,000 a month, who would you vote for? So in other words, am I open to being bribed? Okay. Well, I guess it makes it moral if someone's giving you some free stuff. As for his question, if not UBI, what else can the government do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in my book, Universal Basic Income For and Against, I go through five ways that the government is interfering in the economy to, th to 
increase the cost of living and how it could easily step out the way and bring the cost of living down through the floor, making everyone rich, rich, not everyone richer. I guess people who own tons and tons of uh, apartments might actually get poorer, but making most people who are poor richer and most people and those people who are victims will, of the policies I confront won't end up in the poor house either. So please, please do me a favor, buy the paperback copy of Universal Basic Income for and against now that it's available. I'm going to use the money to hire an editor for my book on healthcare and we'll just do some comments. Stephen McNamara, the sooner lawyers are out of a job, the better for everyone. Agreed. Trucker Butler would be a very good TV show. I love the idea. That's Adam Smasher. Let's have a reality TV show where the out of work, we follow the out of work truckers and how they find new meaning in other careers like uh, being a butler or taking care of children or dealing with some of the class size problems or looking after granny. Adam Smasher, UBI is a negative sum. It's negative sum. You take money from one person and give it to another while wasting half of it in bureaucracy. David Watson, the weak area of Andrew Yang's UBI argument is how he proposes to keep all current taxes, income, import tax, etc., and in addition, propose a VAT. Yeah, the VAT is going to push up the cost of living. So it's going to have the opposite effect of what you want. It's not going to help normal people. You're going to have to pay more for goods and services. VAT tax is an onerous burden on the poor. The poor can slash do escape the income tax. However, a VAT tax is pocket change to the rich, but an avoidable tax, unavoidable tax for the poor. Thank you for those comments. Um, please come onto YouTube and tell me any points I've missed. And until next time, enjoy.